G'day and welcome to the AOS Coach sneak peek into the first season of 2022 General's Handbook. In this video, I'm going to preview the Universal Endless Spells and highlight where the rules have changed. I'm not going to touch on any of the faction-specific Endless Spells because I'll be here for the next 10 years. Some of the Endless Spells have had minor tweaks, but then there are also some that have had significant changes, so you may want to revisit all of your Endless Spells and consider how they benefit your army as we move into Galette. Speaking of Galette, if you want to know more about the battle pack like the battalions, the battle plans, the special rules while we're playing in the realm, you'll want to check out the other videos on this channel where I break those down further. So without further ado, let's look at Endless Spells. Aether Void Pendulum is cast on a 5, has a range of 8, and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster and pointed in the direction that you want it to move. It is a predatory spell and it can move 8 inches and fly, but when you do move the endless spell, it must be in a straight line in the direction that you are pointing the, the pendulum. So where you place it and where you're pointing is going to be critical because once it's down, it's moving forward. It can't go any other way. The reason you want to take this is because after the endless spell has moved, you get to roll a dice for each unit that the model has passed across, as well as each unit that's within 1 inch of the spell. On a 2+, plus, it is going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. Now the change that's happened is that it has gained 2 inches of range when it cast. It used to be 6, uh, it's extended a little bit further now to 8. And it's pretty obvious what this does, this is a damage dealer. The burning head is cast on a 6, it has a range of 8 and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. Now it is a predatory spell and it will move 8 inches and fly. And the reason you want to take it is because after this endless spell has moved, if any units are within three inches of it, you get to roll a dice for each unit that is within three inches of the endless spell. On a two plus, that unit is going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. And once it's dealt those mortal wounds, it's going to disappear. So it's like a, a fireball that you cast. You do some damage, you can recast it, you can keep recasting it. Now it has changed a little bit, it's gotten a bit easier to cast. It is now casting on a 6, it used to be a 7. It has got an extended range, it's now range 8 where it formerly used to be 6. And otherwise the damage dealing is the same. This is a great little endless spell if you want to do mortal wounds from range. Set it up within 8 inches of the wizard and then move it another 8 inches when we move endless spells. And you could be targeting minor heroes at the back of your opponent's troops that are probably buffing them up. You could be using it to chip away at the screens where you want to get into a juicier target. Or you could throw it into like a monster or a hero with a damage profile chart and you could be reducing the damage profile before engaging them with combat. Chronomatic Cogs is cast on a 6, it has a range of 6, and it must be set up wholly within the caster's range. Now the reason that you want to take it is because it does this thing where you can manipulate time, and you can either increase the flow of time or decrease the flow of time, and each of those will have a benefit. If you increase the flow of time, the player can re-roll charge rolls for friendly units that are wholly within 12 inches of the Endless Spell. If you go the other way and you decrease the flow of time, players can re-roll cast rolls for friendly wizards that are wholly within 12 inches of the endless spell. Now you're not fixed to one particular speed up or speed down, because during the game if a friendly wizard is within 6 inches of the endless spell, at the start of the hero phase they can flick the switch, so you can go from fast to slow or slow to fast, and you can keep doing it so long as there's a friendly wizard within 6 inches of the chronomatic cogs. 
Now, between General's handbooks, there has been some changes. When you increase the flow of time, you are now re-rolling charges, as I've previously mentioned. It used to be only plus one to the charge. If you decrease the flow of time, uh, you have extended the range. So it's now range 12, where it used to be range six, and you are re-rolling cast roll attempts. In the past, you used to get one extra spell cast. I'm thinking about this for my Daughters of Cain, where I've got things like Marathi with her triple casts, and I want her to avoid miscasts and not take damage. I also want to get off some of those critical hard spells like Mind Razor. Maybe I'm next to Arcane for a plus one, I get the reroll. That is very attractive. But then, if you're someone who runs Nagash or Azinch Force or Hallow Heart or Seraphon or any other type of magic focused army, this could be really potent for you. And if you do speed up the flow of time, who doesn't love a bubble of rerolls and keeping command points up your sleeve, but not having to waste it on the rerolling of a charge because now you get potentially multiple rerolling as long as you're within that bubble. Emerald Life Swarm is cast on a six and has a range of six, and it must be wholly set up within the range of the caster. It's a predatory endless spell and it can move eight inches and fly. The reason you want to take this is because after the Endless Spell is moved, the commanding player can pick one unit within three inches of the Emerald Life Swarm. Now you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to the unit, or if there are no wounds that have been allocated to the unit, you can return the number of slain models that have a combined wound characteristic of the D3. Now there is a big change here when it comes to the Emerald Life Swarm. In the past, you could heal up when it was set up and then heal again when it moved. That's no longer the case. The healing only happens after it's moved, not when it's set up. So you can't double tap. I used to enjoy the double tap. It's no longer there. It's still a great spell. It's going to let you heal up those multi-wound models or bring models back from the dead, especially if you're like me who runs a lot of single wound uh, models. I can bring back D3. Or if I'm running multi-wound models, I could chance it and try to like, you know, let's say a spirit host with three wounds. If I can roll a five or a six, I'm bringing back a whole spirit host or I'm healing it up if I've got like, you know, suffered one or two wounds, whatever it might be. You might want Life Swarm to heal up your heroes that are in combat who aren't able to use heroic recovery. Or you might want to tap into multiple heals between heroic recovery and Emerald Life Swarm if they're not in combat. Geminids is cast on a 6 and has a range of 8. There are two models with this and they must be set up wholly within range as well as within 6 inches of each other. They are predatory endless spells so they will be able to move 8 inches, they can fly, but you must remain within 6 inches of each other as they move around the table. The reason you want to take this is because after this endless spell has moved, you get to roll a dice for each unit that it, uh, any model has passed across and each unit that it's finished within one inch of the endless spell after it's moved. On a two plus, that unit suffers a mortal wound, which is nice. In addition, if mortal wounds have been allocated and not negated, that unit cannot issue or receive commands until the start of the next combat phase. Now it has changed slightly. It's reduced its range by one. You used to be able to set it up within nine inches. It's now within eight inches. And as I mentioned, the chip mortal wounds, that single mortal wound is nice, but really you're taking this to shut off the issuing and receiving of commands, um, especially as you're moving it around or landing it within one inches of your opponent enemy units. Now, this could be a really nice defensive play for the bounty hunters that are probably going to be coming at you for their, uh, their plus one damage. So you could be blocking them up, denying pile-ins, but also shutting down them issuing or receiving commands.
The horror ghast is cast on a five. It has a range of 12 and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. It is a predatory endless spell and it can move eight inches a turn and fly. The reason you're taking this is because units within 12 inches of the endless spell cannot receive commands in the battle shock phase. And in addition, if the unit fails a battle shock test and it's within 12 inches of the endless spell, you get to add D3 to the number of models that flee. What's changed though is it's become easier to cast. It used to be on a six, it's now on a five. Shutting off inspiring presence in a very likely troop heavy meta is gonna put the fear into your opponents. Then you can also add an extra D3 models to flee. That'll really punish any of those armies that are running multi-wound troops because imagine like a wound three, wound four, wound two, you add an extra D3 to the flee, ouch, that's gonna hurt. You might want to look for ways to further punish your opponent with bravery debuffs. Flesh Eater Quartz has like the Grim Garland, for example, that causes a minus two bravery penalty while they're within six inches of the bearer. You might even look for Sinister Terrain to create a, a minus one to the bravery, then add obviously no inspiring presence, then add the D3 extra models that flee. You'll really punish them. Lachlan the Soul Seeker is cast on a six as a range of six and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. It is an endless spell and it has the ability to move 18 inches and fly. Now the reason you want this is because you're looking to get a wizard teleport. And how it works is before the commanding player moves the endless spell, you get to pick one friendly wizard that is wholly within three inches of the endless spell and you get to remove that wizard from the battlefield. After the Endless Spell is moved, you set up the wizard again, wholly within three inches of the Endless Spell, more than nine inches away from the enemy. But also, after the wizard has basically been reset up, it will take a mortal wound, but it can then move or uh, run in the following movement phase. Now, what's changed here is that in the past, when you did the teleport, you couldn't move or you couldn't run in the following movement phase. That has now changed. You can make a move in the next movement phase. Remember, endless spells happen before the movement phase. So this is going to be a great little way to boost up your movement for a wizard. But the first thing that came to mind was like, oh, man, I can teleport one of my super wizards. But normally they're going to be on a quite a large base. So you'll want to consider something that will fit wholly within three inches that you can move and teleport around. Malevolent Maelstrom is cast on a 5, it has a range of 8, and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. It is a predatory endless spell, and it can move 8 inches a turn, and it can fly. The reason that you want to take this is because it becomes a ticking time pom, and it will do D3 mortal wounds for each unit that is within 12 inches of this endless spell. It's not automatic, the way it works is after you set up the endless spell, you're going to place a D6 next to your Maelstrom and it starts off with the one facing up. Now, every time a spell is successfully cast within 12 inches of the endless spell, and obviously not unbound, um, after you resolve the effects, you're gonna move that dice up by one. So it goes to one, two, you can do maths. In addition to all of that, each time a model is slain within 12 inches of the endless spell, you also move that dice up. It will move up to a maximum of six. So. So every successful cast that's happened within range, as well as any time a model is slain within range. Now, at the end of the combat phase, if the endless spell is on the battlefield, you get to roll a dice and add the number that is sitting on your dice token. So every time you've counted up. 
On a 10 plus, each unit within 12 inches of the endless spell is going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. And then once it's exploded, you're going to remove it from play. However, you could cast it again. What has changed though is that it has gained plus two on the range. So now when you cast it up, you, you can cast it up within eight inches as opposed to what used to be six. Maelstrom could be a really nice deterrent for you wherever you drop it on the board. Perhaps you want to protect an objective and have this little ticking time bomb. So if your opponent gets within range and you know a whole bunch of models are slain, you roll that dice and you could do a whole bunch of damage. Or it could potentially force your opponent just to use one of their spell cast to unbind it instead. Prismatic Palisade is cast on a 5, it has a range of 8, and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. The reason you want to take this is because units that are within 6 inches of the Endless Spell cannot make a shooting attack. Now, you get to add 3 inches to the range of the ability at the start of each battle round after the turn it's been summoned. So it continues to pulse and grow over time. Now what's changed here is that it has gained 2 inches to the range that you can cast it on, so you now set it up within 8 inches, it used to be 6. The Blinding Light ability has been rewritten for the better in my opinion. With a large base you might want to block up the board and maybe even deny your opponent from charging in if you pop up the Endless Spell right in front of your infantry and it's going to deny them from getting in within half an inch of your troops. Um, you may not have a shooting attack so you potentially don't care about it stopping you from shooting. I'm not really sold on the Blinding Light ability because the shooters that I want to stop shooting are the ones that are quite far away. My Lumineth, my Daughters, my Cruel Boys, any, anything with quite long range shooting. And for me to get my wizard up, a mobile wizard's going to have to get really close to drop it where it needs to be. So for me, risk versus reward, I'd rather use that large base to block up the board and deny charges and maybe in zone off uh, objectives rather than purely going in for Blinding Light. Purple Son of Hish is cast on an 8, it has a range of 8, and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. It is a predatory endless spell, and it can move 8 inches a turn, and it can fly. The reason you want to take Purple Sun is that you get to subtract 1 from save rolls for attacks that target units within 6 inches of the endless spell. So imagine you're getting an extra point of rend here. In addition, you get to roll a dice for each unit within 3 inches of this endless spell after the endless spell is moved. On a roll of a 1, one model is slain. The Purple Sun has changed between General's Handbooks. You have gained an extra 2 points of range when you set it up. End Given Form has been completely rewritten. It's no longer Girls Gone Wild on a 5+, plus, and it used to just do a couple of mortal wounds. The minus 1 to save is going to be a powerful ability to help you reduce the impact of save stacking and help you land more damage in for your attacks. And if you like to gamble, you're going to love the ability to straight slay a model on a dice roll of a 1. Now this isn't limited to troops, you could run it into a hero or a monster, and if you run the purple sun into a monster, it has 14 wounds, you roll that 1, the whole 14 wounds is gone. So if you love to hit a big jackpot and slay a hero or a monster, this is for you. Quicksilver Swords is cast on a 6, it has a range of 6, and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. It is a predatory endless spell, and it can move 8 inches and fly. The reason you want to take this is because after this endless spell is moved, you can pick one unit that has had any models passed over it by the Quicksilver Swords. Then you get to roll 12 dice. For each 5 plus that you roll, that unit is suffering one mortal wound, and the mortal wound cannot be negated in any way. 
Now it has changed slightly. It used to do mortal wounds on a six. It's now doing mortal wounds on a five. And the fact that it ignores ward saves is a great way to chip through and do serious damage. On average, without any spikes or any whiffs, you should be doing about four mortal wounds that can't be negated. So this is going to be a great way to pull down minor heroes, degrade some of those big heroes. It's going to help you cut through your local Nurgle or Nighthawk player who loves their ward save and can be quite tough to pull down. Gnashing Jaws is cast on a 6, it has a range of 8 and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. It's a predatory endless spell and it can move 3d6 and fly, and in the turn that you set up the Gnashing Jaws, it can re-roll that dice roll to determine how far it moves. The reason you want to take this is because after this endless spell is moved, you get to pick one unit that has had its models passed over by the Gnashing Jaws, or within one inch of it at the end of the moves. When you do so, you roll a dice. On a 2+, if that roll for the Endless Spell's move was greater than the move characteristic of the unit that you pass over, the unit is going to suffer a number of mortal wounds equal to the difference of the move characteristic and the roll. So for example, I roll my 3d6, I roll a 10, it goes past a, I don't know, a unit with a movement of 4, the difference here is 6, it does 6 mortal wounds. Now if I spike that and I roll, I don't know, a 15 on the move, um, all of a sudden, I could be doing some serious damage. Something that has a really good movement, probably not. But anything that's infantry, like, again, the troop meta that we're moving into, could do some serious damage. Now, what's changed is that in the old book, you couldn't get the reroll on the turn that it was set up. So that's a new feature that you're going to enjoy. And there's some slight rewording on the, the wording of how the damage gets done. So you should be doing, on average, a few more mortal wounds, especially as we move into a more troop heavy meta that's going to have a slower movement compared to where we were 12 months ago which is very high movement uh elite troops again monster heroes things like that so you should enjoy this one i'm really thinking about gnashing jaws in my lists shards has a casting value of five it has a range of 18 and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster but also within 12 inches of each other there are two models they must be within 12 inches of each other when they set up but also when they move they are predatory endless spells and when they move you pick one of its parts so one of the two parts and you set it up wholly within 12 inches of the other part so like daisy chains from each other the reason you want to take this is because after the endless spell is moved you get to draw a line between the two closest points of the endless spell each unit that's been passed by the line is what's called ensnared and they are ensnared until the end of that turn units that have been ensnared will have the movement characteristic in addition they can't fly or be removed from the battlefield by an effect that allows them to be set up in the same turn this has a lot of potential to force your opponent to use a command point to run six just to get up the board because you've halved their movement. It's going to deny flyers from moving anywhere they want across the board, and it's going to get them blocked up with terrain. I don't know if you've ever tried to move a large-based monster hero that can't fly. When you get keep getting caught up by your own troops and terrain, that can be a real pain in the backside. But it'll also stop things like teleports throughout the game, uh, obviously when they're ensnared. But it's likely to make charges harder because you've halved the movement, so they're probably not going to be as close to you before landing that charge. Soul Scream Bridge has a casting value of 6. It has a range of 24. There are two parts, and they must be both set up wholly within range of the caster. 
The reason you want to take this is because at the start of the movement phase, the player whose turn is taking place can remove one friendly unit that is wholly within six inches of one of the endless spells. You remove it from the battlefield and then set it up again wholly within six inches of the other part of the endless spell, as long as you're outside of nine inches from all enemies. A unit cannot be removed and set up in the same way more than once per phase, and a unit removed and set up again cannot make a normal move or a run in the same turn. So once they've been set up, you've got to do a long bomb charge if that was your goal. The range has been extended. It used to be 18. It's now 24. And the bridge is going to help you get your units further up the board. It's going to help you secure objectives. It's going to help you launch into combat quicker, especially if you have access to charge bonuses or you just like to gamble. Because it happens at the start of the movement phase, the teleport, it means that you'll be able to use your hero phase to boost up any unit that you're slinging up the board with prayers, with spells, with hero phase abilities, anything you've got up your sleeve before launching them forward on the table. Soul Snare Shackles has a cast of 7, it has a range of 8, there are 3 models and they must be all set up wholly within range of the caster as well as within 3 inches of each other. Now the reason you want to take Soul Snare Shackles is because units within 6 inches of the endless spell cannot run or attempt to charge. In addition, at the start of the movement phase you get to roll a dice for each unit within 6 inches of the endless spells and on a 6 that unit is going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. What's changed though is that the range has become shorter. It used to be more generous. It used to be 12 inches that they had to be set up. Now they're set up within 8 inches, um, although the ability has stayed the same. The potential mortal wounds is nice, but it can also happen to you. So really be careful on where you set up your models in range of the shackles. Um, but what you're really looking for here is the ability to deny your opponent's movement, block up objectives, uh, deny them from running or charging while they're in range of the shackles. You could use them defensively to deter your opponent from getting too close to you and even forcing them to make really long charges because they need to charge from at least seven inches out or they're blocked up by the shackles. Suffocating Gravetide is cast on a 6. It has a range of 8 and it must be set up wholly within range of the caster. It's a predatory endless spell and it can move 8 inches and fly. The reason you want to take it is because after this endless spell is moved, for each unit that's had a model passed across it with the Gravetide, you get to roll a dice equal to the number of models in that unit. On a roll of a 6, they're going to suffer one mortal wound. The only thing that's changed here is it's gained plus 2 on its range when it's set up. The reason I like this is because we are likely to see unit sizes growing in size, so there's going to be a much better chance for me to, to be dealing mortal wounds. Especially if some jerkwad puts 60 models of zombies on an objective, I can roll that grave tide that gives me 60 dice to roll, and on a 6 I'm going to do a mortal wound. So I should be doing around 10 mortal wounds to that unit before I get into combat and do my other things. It's also going to be a mobile wall, so you can use it to zone off and block up the board. Again, deny charges. There's a whole bunch of other things you could possibly do, as well as the, the mortal wounds that it deals. Finally, the Umbral Spell Portal is cast on a 5. It has a range of 18 inches, and both parts must be set up wholly within the range of the caster. The reason you want to take this is because once per turn, if a wizard successfully casts a spell within one inch of the endless spell, the range, visibility, and the effects can be drawn from the umbral spell portal as opposed to the caster. Spells that summon endless spells are not going to benefit from this ability. 
In addition, once per turn, if the Predatory Endless spell starts a move within 6 inches of the Umbral Spell Portal, instead of making a normal move with that Endless spell, the commanding player can remove the Predatory Endless spell from the battlefield and set it up anywhere within 6 inches of the Umbral Spell Portal. An Endless spell set up in this manner does not count as being moved. From what I can see, there are no changes between War Scrolls, and this is really going to be a ranged spell extender, and there's some very good uses in your faction to be dealing damage or doing debuffs. Things like the Zinch Spell Law has a lot of great spells you want to do from quite afar. You could be using things like the Lumineth Cathalar to debuff your opponent. The Warsong Revenant spell can do some serious area of effect damage through the spell portal. You could be using it to debuff your opponent or extend the ranges of your buff even while you're at your army advances up the board. Universal Endless Spells did see some points manipulation. The Soul Scream Bridge increased by 10 points and the Gnashing Jaws went up by 5 points. We also saw Endless Spells go down in points. Geminids went down 40 points. Uh, Quicksilver Swords went down 30 points. Aether Void Pendulum, Horrorgast and Lachlan the Soul Seeker went down 25 Shards went down 20, Maelstrom and Soul Snare Shackles went down 15, Suffocating Grave Tide went down 10, and Chronomatic Cogs went down 5. Everything else kind of stayed the same. In the first year of 3rd edition Age of Sigma, we probably saw an all-time low when it came to armies taking endless spells. They were either too expensive, they were too hard to cast, many of the factions didn't want to waste their points by not getting them onto the table because they were too hard, or there was some real magical supremacy coming out of their opponents. Now I feel like they're at a price point where I'm interested again, and I'm willing to give up the possible triumph to get an endless spell in my list instead. Now there are a few endless spells that I'm personally thinking about. I previously mentioned my daughters of Kane are looking at cogs to create more spell consistency with Marathi Kane. My Gloom Spike gets love life swarm because I can heal up in combat. I'm giving some serious thought into Purple Sun, Gnashing Jaws, and Geminid, depending on how the meta kind of shifts. But I'd love to hear from you in the comments section. What are you thinking about with Endless Spells? Are you now thinking about running some Endless Spells in your list? And which ones and why? Which faction are you running? What's it doing for your faction? And how are you thinking about tapping into the Endless Spells? Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so link is down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigma conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.